0: Welcome to episode 221 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, our final one for 2021, we present the sixth annual Rugby League Republic Awards. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 221 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing? Well, Dr T, it is
1: great to be here in the 8th, or sorry, 6th annual Rugby League Republic Awards. What a great year it's been for Rugby League. So many highs, so many blockbuster matches, um, and just want to thank the Rugby League Academy for putting on another cocktail outfit. I am, uh, I am uh, head to toe, head to toe dressed by Taro and Cash today. Um, you know, not the Sylvester Stallone movie of the '80s, but the big man's uh, shop that finally opened again after COVID. How about yourself, Doctor T. Who are you wearing tonight?
0: I'm wearing this uh, flannelette shirt by from Lowe's. Uh oh, the big okay. men, the big men section of Lowe's oh, and yes. uh and uh and shoes by RM Williams and a Kubra hat by uh <laughs> I don't know, by Russell Crowe's oh. South Scares Foundation. I'm not sure. By Slim Dusty Hat Company. That's right. Look, um we Look, it's a big one. It's our sixth annual Rugby League Republic Awards. And, Tish, before we begin, you did mention we've had quite a few highs. Unfortunately, we have had quite a few lows. So we, we're we going to just sort of, uh, just for a moment, uh have a bit of a uh, commemoration uh, of uh, one of the greats of Rugby League who passed away this week. So we're going to dedicate this uh, episode to Rugby League immortal Norm Proven, who passed away this week at aged 88. So Norman Sticks Douglas Somerville Proven, born 18th of December 1932, was an Australian former professional Rugby League footballer and Coach. He was a second row forward with the St George Dragons during the first 10 of their 11 consecutive Premiership winning years, a record breaking run from 1956 to 1966. Named amongst the nation's finest footballers of the 20th century, he represented the Australian national team from 1954 to 1960, earning 14 tests and two World Cups. And in 2018, uh after a long time of uh, people, uh, you know, trying to get him in into the club, he was inducted as the 13th immortal of, uh, of the National Rugby League or the Australian Rugby League. So, look, um, we, we won't go too much into, uh, you know, you could do a whole episode and more of mm. the importance of Norm Proven. Obviously, most people nowadays know him as one half of the famous NRL Premiership trophy. Um obviously that that immortal, that, that image that's immortalized in uh from, from the 1963 grand final against uh with St. George against West. Uh, you know, Arthur Summons being the other, the shorter of the two gentlemen, Norm Provan being the taller of the two gentlemen. Uh, and he was just uh look towering above a lot of his peers. During the time of his uh, of, of his prime in rugby league, and uh, you know, not just towering physically, but also, I guess, uh, just in terms of his playing prowess and and just how it, just an intimidating kind of figure, but very well respected. So you would have seen, uh, you know, those of you who heard about the news and knew about Norm Proven, you would have seen lots of uh, articles in the media about him and uh, and a lot of. Uh, I think it's fair to say a lot of the accolades and and stories that people have been recounting about about him have been like I think it's fair to say one of the most well respected hmm. um, individuals humans in in the rugby league family absolutely and it's it's just an absolute uh, tragedy uh, that that he's passed away but um, you know definitely immortalised in in the game's premier. Uh, premiership trophy uh, really um and you can't get any more kind of uh, better recognition than that that you know he's his uh his iconic kind of um uh, appearances in the game uh the fact that he was involved and captained many of those uh those 11 premiership yeah. victories for St George um just tells you everything about the quality of of the player and the gentleman but Look, our respect and our prayers and thoughts go out to Norm's family and friends and the wider rugby league community. We're definitely in mourning this year. Um, mm. But, yeah, Tish, do you, do you want to say anything before we uh, move on to the to the awards?
1: Yeah. Look, I think Norm Proven is obviously a rugby league great, forever immortalised in the famous rugby league trophy, which uh, a lot of people, and I think Norm, Proven, Arthur Simmons both had... had um, you know, said that, you know, it's kind of celebrates everything good about rugby league, you know, the 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 camaraderie, um, you know, after a hard fought, you know, hard fought battle. And then so we know that, but then the, the man behind the 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 trophy I think is also significant. And I just want to put some context to Norm Proven and his accolades, right? Um earlier this year in 2021, uh, when um, you know, after the Super Bowl, there was a big debate online about who is the greatest team sport person of all time, the GOAT in team sport, you know, the GOAT. And and the two people that everybody talks about is obviously Tom Brady, who had just won the Super Bowl, and his seventh win, which I don't think anybody else's quarterback, the most important position could ever, uh, could ever replicate. And then Michael Jordan for the Chicago Bulls, right? But obviously that's a very uh, US centric debate. If you open it up, um the the clear winner is actually Norm Proven. And the reason why is because Brady has been to, I think, ten Super Bowls and won seven. Uh, you know, Norm Proven went to ten uh premierships and won ten. You know, four of them as captain. And I believe um, at least, uh, oh, sorry, captain and coach for four of them, actually. So not only was he the, the um, you know, leader on the field, he was a leader off the field as well. Um, so compare that to any other, like, you know, athlete, you know, in the top grade. Um, I, think, I think you could argue, he's arguably the greatest, um, you know, uh, I suppose, uh, you know, professional athlete for a team sport ever, (laughs) right? With that type of record. Um, So that's kind of scary to think about. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of, uh, I don't think, I think it was only his last grand final that was ever televised. Um, So, you know, and that, and it wasn't even a full televised. So, you know, he's lost to history in many ways, you know, how good he was. Um, But I think his peers and everybody that sort of remembers him playing have all talked about, you know, how such a great player he is. And I think, um, yeah and i think it's it's a you know 2021 we kind of lost a lot of the greats and i think um norm proven is is you know certainly um you know a big one in that list um i suppose that's the second uh immortal this year right with bob fulton as well so but yeah but our you know yeah. our uh, condolences go out to the families of of bob fulton but also of norm proven recently passed away and and um you know, and it's uh it's scary to think about sometimes when you actually look back at that at that uh, record.
0: Absolutely, yeah. You're, right. <clears throat> I think uh, that's the thing about these debates about greatest of all time is that you you could spend hours and hours arguing back and forth, and uh, there's definitely a case to be made. You know, even if a lot of people don't know about him, and and uh, certainly even. Even half of the population in Australia might not know about him, given that they follow the other the other football code, uh, major football code here. Um, there's an argument to be made that when you're talking about a record-breaking team, and he was one of the leaders of that team for a long period of time, he was kind of the the centre of uh, of that uh, of that team, the backbone really of that team, and and the one constant, you know, and that's why. He was uh, awarded eventually with uh, the, that immortal status because, because really, it just goes to show it's not about the highlights reels. Um, mm. You know, certainly he wasn't the most skilled player, uh, but he brought so much more. He brought leadership. He brought the things that you can't necessarily, um, you know, find in a in a YouTube highlights reel. And it it is it is about just the club, the great club man that he was, and. Uh, and the great imposing presence that he was in in rugby league in general, not just on the field, off the field as well. So uh, Vale, Norm Proven, and uh, as I said, we are going to dedicate this awards uh, podcast episode to him. And so without any further ado, let me just uh, go forward and let's get into the Rugby League Republic Awards, the sixth edition for 2021. So as I said, it's the sixth year of the formation of rugby league republic and it is fitting that we look back at the year gone by and justly award those citizens of the republic players and otherwise who have contributed to the growth and continued glory of the republic not just in australia but throughout the world and this year we have a total of 13 awards unchanged from last year so without any further ado we are just going to go through our awards and each of these awards uh, have a Latin name uh, attached to it, and I'll explain what it is, and I'll just give you a bit of a brief uh, kind of history of, of the previous winners. And then what we'll do, Tish, is uh, each of us will give our um, our nominations for, uh, for the winner. We'll have a bit of a discussion, a bit of a debate. Maybe we'll come up with some other nominations, those who almost made the cut. And then we'll declare our winner. So, look, we really we don't have a winner yet. We have to dis- discuss it. Mm. That's part of the, uh, the. That's part of the beauty of of uh, these awards uh, podcast episodes that we get to debate it, uh, and we don't have a predetermined winner in mind. So, without any further ado, the first one is called the Imperator Destinatus Award. Um, and that means destined to be emperor. And this award goes to the best rookie in rugby league, i.e., player destined to be the best. Um, last year's winner was Harry Grant, before that, we had uh Dylan Brown, Jermaine Izarko, and Nick Kotrich. Uh, before that, and look, my I'll just jump in, Tish. My uh nomination is, of course, none other than. Uh, someone who came good at the end of the year, who was very instrumental in uh, his team's uh, performances uh, around finals time. Um, and even though they didn't go deep into the finals, I think he has shown a lot of promise. And he is none other than Sam Walker, who uh, I believe also won the Rookie of the Year, eh, the Dally M Rookie of the Year award. Uh Tish, who is your nomination for the Imperator Destinatus Award?
1: Well, I have uh, thought that the Imperator Destinatus should go to West Tiger's own Stefano Uttakamanu. Um I just think he's had a brilliant season. He's been a starter from the start to the finish. Um, he did spend some time on the bench, but he came good. And uh, look, other, other notable nominees, obviously, is uh, Reese Walsh. Uh, for the Warriors, who almost made it to Origin, um, as well, um, so I thought that was uh, that was a, a fitting. And obviously, you know, the, the sensation that you've mentioned, Sam Walker. But uh, the reason why I kind of deviated against Sam Walker is just because I think towards the end, yes, he was playing a pivotal role, but he was also playing off the bench. So I don't know, um, I don't know if that's the trajectory you want your rookie to go in. You know, starting off. Strong and then uh, coming off the bench just in the last five minutes. Obviously, uh, he needs to have a big, uh, you know, off season in in eating and training uh, to get himself bulked up. Meanwhile, Stefano, uh, yeah, I think he's almost a fully formed player to the point where in his rookie season he did actually make it to the train on side for Brad Fittler, who's notorious for not choosing West Tigers players. So, um, big effort for Stefano.
0: Well I mean you make a very compelling case there Tish. Uh I I think though my argument would be that Sam Walker I think was recognized quite uh quite clearly in in the M Rookie Awards uh and and also just in general the the hype around him. We did talk at the beginning of the season about uh was it Joseph Suwali who didn't really uh, didn't really play much mm-hmm. of a role this year but the thing with Sam Walker is you might denigrate the fact that he's, he kind of played a bit of a role off the bench, but let's not forget he actually played a cru- crucial role off the bench. Um, he was actually very, very uh, valuable to the Roosters. Um, and, um, look, I like the stats of this, and I he has he also uh, topped one of the statistics categories across the NRL. Can you guess wow. which one it is?
1: Most missed tackles.
0: No, 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 no. No, that's uh, – no, it wasn't him. Um, it Most field goals. Oh, wow. Three field goals this year. Mm. And, and I believe at least on one occasion it was a, a – well, you know, a, more than one occasion there were match winners. So to me it's about he has come on and played a bit of a clutch role, clutch player role, and I think that's where I think he uh, – Uh, When you look at our past winners, we haven't had a good record of picking these awards uh, and seeing these players go on to bigger and better things. We had Harry Grant, Dylan Brown, Jermaine Izako, and Nick Cottridge not necessarily setting the NRL on fire. But I think with Sam Walker, uh, I'm confident that because he's shown that ability to win games at the clutch moments and at the Roosters, no less, I think... You know, that kind of pressure cooker environment, the expectations are high. I think he will have the support uh, that players like Luke Keary had, uh, you know, and definitely Tedesco has had as well since joining the Roosters. So I'm I'm going to be pretty strong on this one. I think that you're going to have to really be strong to convince me against Sam Walker.
1: Okay. I just realised that the field goals is three, while well, <laughs> well, a whole bunch of players only got two, right? So... <laughs> Not really. Not well, he really. topped the list. He topped but the he, list. But he topped the list. That that is that is correct. <laughs> L- look, look, I think um we when we go into the legacy of, of not picking great ones, I think part of the reason why is that we've uh, we've had a bias towards the spine. Um, you know, with Harry and Dylan, especially been stuck and we had and then we had two wingers, right? So we haven't really gone for a, a forward. Somebody who actually does the hard work, you know, they are the slaves of rugby league, you know, not recognized for the fact that, you know, Sam Walker, he can't do anything unless his forwards are moving. And, and meanwhile for the Tigers, Stefano, not only is he is he moving, but I believe he scored four tries, which is unheard of for front rollers, right? So um, you know, he's so he's top in the class in his in his desired position. And uh you know I think we should recognize um you know the efforts that you know forwards do. You know, forwards lives matter. <laughs> um, they matter, you know, <laughs> poor Andrew Fafita, you know, like, you know, uh, but <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think, I think longevity for you, I think Sam Walker is still a risk. I mean, honestly, like, uh, let, let, let's think about it. If he, if he doesn't improve in terms of his body shape, uh, you know, to, to get to a, mi- a bit more match island, he could also fall on the wayside quite easily. Right. So, um, yeah. So look, I don't know. I'm gonna yeah. So I don't know if I've convinced you or not, but I just think, yeah, Stefano, you're know, all the skill. Uh, you know, he could pass the ball. He could run straight. Um, yeah, I, I think that um, he's been a shining light in a very disappointing end. Meanwhile, Sam Walker. I mean, there was one game he ran backwards uh, to sort of you know for the last minute, right, um, which his coach was upset with. <laughs>
0: So, look, the other thing is on a technicality, I'm going to have to claim Sam Walker because Stefano debuted in 2020.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, Sam so, did Walker. so did Harry Grant last year, we gave the year. but we were him to go this one, yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. Like, I, based look, on I'm... that technicality, uh, I am willing to give it to, to Sam because we, we have to uphold the integrity of these awards.
0: That's right. Uh, I mean, we don't want the Republic to crumble. Yes. Uh, we need it to be strong. But look, Look, based on the technicality, we're going to give this one to Sam Walker from the Roosters. All right. Uh, but, look, I, I will take on board your comment around uh, Stefano's, uh, you know, being representing the forwards. I think it's, it's a very good thing. So I think, look, best of luck to Stefano because I think uh, yeah. the Tigers definitely need more luck next year. Um, and best but, of luck yeah. to Sam Walker. He's been given the just an artist, uh Award the Imperia, Imperator <laughs> Destinat. Let me say the. Let me say them right. Yep. The Imperator Destinatus Award. Well done, Sam. Claps all around, uh, high fives and everything. The next one is the Augustus Award. So this is easier to say. It means majestic or venerable. It derives from the Latin "augere," meaning to increase. So it's awarded to the most improved player in rugby league, and. Last year we had Ryan Papenhuisen, uh, and then going all the way back, we've got we've had Mitchell Moses, Damian Cook, and Michael Morgan. So we've done pretty well, I think, <laughs> picking these awards of most improved because we've generally seen that these players have gone on to bigger and better things. Uh, you know, pretty much all of them have had a pretty big, uh, you know, career so far in the NRL. But look, this year. It's a tough one because I I sort of am denied of, of over two players. Uh, my my runner up is uh, was Jerome Luai and mm. from the Panthers, but I thought this year I wanted to give it to Brian tor from the Panthers because even though I thought Jerome had a more of an integral role in the state of origin victory. Uh, you know, and also the Panthers' victory in the NRL uh, Grand Final. I thought with Brian, it, you know, if I'm looking purely at where they started at the beginning of the year and where they've ended up, I think Brian's had more of a meteoric rise. Uh, you know, out of nowhere, he got called up to the Blues side. Whereas last year, Jerome Luai was uh, already kind of in the train-on squad for the Blues, so he was already recognised as a player for the Blues. Whereas Brian was nowhere to be seen. Until earlier this year, well, not entirely true. I mean, he was known. uh, He didn't quite debut uh, this year. He debuted last year, but, uh, you know, he just came out of nowhere and has improved out of sight. And I think it's fair to say he's now the best winger in the game. So I think if you look at it that way and you look at how integral he was, he's probably one of the best players on the field in the grand final as well. I think he would have been definitely in the discussion for the Clive Churchill medal. Um, one of the best players, uh, breakout players in State of Origin this year. So my vote goes to Brian Toll from the Panthers. What about you, Tish?
1: Well, look, um, I did consider those two players, and I would say that those two players um definitely deserving of the award um, as well because I think they've had breakout seasons both of them. Um, but I think I want to also put up Tom homie. Turbo Tommy. Um, and, and it's because... Look, he was already an origin player, an established origin player. He'd already played for the Kangaroos, and that and that was all fine. But I think this year um, he's gone to another level to the point where he has become the thing that you need to um, defend against when you're playing his team, Manly. The attacking weapon you have to stop when you are Queensland facing New South Wales. And, you know, we didn't get an Australian Test match, but I'm pretty sure in the next one Australia plays, he's probably the player you need to watch. Um, to try and stop uh, you know the australian attack he's just gone to another level and um you know the threat is there and, and to the point where Manly can't seem to win without him you know he's become su- such a crucial part of that team um you know this year we've even had uh people you know sort of reminiscing about old players and um you know he was even compared to some immortals saying you know the impact that tommy turbo has had, that's the same type of impact that a Bob Fulton had on Manly when he was playing or a, um, you know, Greg Ellison had had with the Panthers when he was playing. So I think Tommy Turbo, yes, he was always, he, he was a, a, a good player, a really good representative player, um, you know, in 2020, but I believe this year he has gone to greatness and, um, you know, uh, and I think he's he's one of the top five stars in the NRL for sure. And he kind of came out of nowhere. And it is going to be interesting uh, now, I feel. He's probably challenging Tedesco for the fullback black hole for New South Wales. Um, so I- I'm going to go with ter- ter- uh, Turbo, Tom Travojevic, and uh, Dr. T. I- I'm going to be a bit dogged on my choice
0: this, this time around. Look. <laughs> Look, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? Uh, mm. I went for someone who came out of nowhere to representative honours and, uh, you know, one of the best wingers but in the game on at the moment. back on
1: by the way. Anyway, that's another story.
0: Oh, did, oh um, <laughs> well, he's also half Chinese. So, I mean, you know, he's turned his back on China. You know, where's where's China's rugby league team? Anyway, um, Tommy Travojevic, though. No, we're not talking about Tommy. Uh, Tommy Travojevic, you're talking about, the nomination of a player who's gone from very good to pretty much crucial and and a great within a, the space of a year. All of a sudden, we've been talking about Tommy Turbo. I think a lot of the, the stats around Manly's uh, uh, try-scoring frenzy this year, I mean, out of the top five try-scorers, three of them are from Manly. <laughs> you know, that tells you what they did this year in terms of um, uh, you know and a lot of it really revolved around Tommy Turbo really Mm. whether he created things or whatever so look I'm look I'm with you I think even it's an interesting way to look at best most improved as someone who has gone from good to great within the space of a year and Mm. and probably won't look back so um, look I'm Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah, I'm with you on this one. Trub- Tommy Trebojevic um, is the winner of uh, our Augustus Award. So well done, Tommy Trebojevic. Tommy Turbo. Um, the next one is the Invictus Award. Invictus meaning unconquered, and it's awarded to the best defender in rugby league. And we had two years in a row of Damien Cook winning. Prior to that, James Tedesco. And prior to that, two years in a row of Jake Friend winning. Now, Damien Cook primarily has been... He's been one of these just... He's all over the place in defence. As in, he's just there all the time. So strong for the as has been for a while. And he's been kind of dominant in that respect statistically in the last two years. But it isn't just about stats, Tish. It's also about, um, you know the big performances in the big games and i think this year there's been no one that has stood uh, above the player that i'm going to nominate from the blues from the panthers isaiah yo i believe has been the best defender he has been uh, as they say he has added the starch to um <laughs> to the defense of either the blues or the panthers he was also in line i think for um, and kind of very narrowly probably missed out on winning the Clive Churchill medal for best player on ground at the grand final this year. Um, and also was very close to, I think, being the best New South Wales player throughout the whole series uh, in, in State of Origin this year. So I would say, and I'll be very strong on this one, Isaiah Yo, because not just you know, was didn't top the statistics in terms of most tackles, etc., but certainly had the greatest impact in terms of defence and, uh, you know, inspiring his teammates, made his moves at the right time, especially in the grand final when they needed him, he stood up. And towards the end of the year, um, they they won three very close games to win that grand final in the final series. And obviously the Panthers being the best defensive team of the competition has a lot to do with Isaio's presence and leadership. So I'm very strong on this one, unless you can convince me otherwise, Tish. Well, look, um for me it is it is quite
1: simple. If you know we've got to go back to the Panthers, who is the best uh, you know defensive team in the competition, it is the Panthers. And why are they so good? It's because of their trainers. Right, so I'm going to give it to Penrith's blue shirt trainer because unlike Orange shirt trainer, uh, Pete Green, he was able to not only defend, uh, you know, help the Penrith defensive team beat three like in really tight games, stop, you know, stop, you know, uh, bring the stoppages in successful t- you know, to, to to sort of nullify the defense, but he also avoided suspension, unlike Pete Green, the Orange trainer trainer. Who actually got suspended for that game? Uh, so the Panthers' bullshit trainer—you know—you know you <laughs> only supposed to be on the field um, three times a half, and he was on there. I think it was thirteen times in the second half alone. So, um,
0: the—it's <laughs> <laughs> a—it's a hell of a—it's a hell of a nomination uh, to <laughs> to to go with on this one. I look as much as that was a good rant about the way the Panthers. <laughs> Pushed, uh pushed the bounds of the laws and bend the laws and the rules um i think i think it's fair to say that uh my nomination being the most uh, serious nomination yes. wins by default yeah so so well, well done isaiah you so go ahead last I was just going to say blue shirt uh, trainer
1: does also get um i think a a honorable mention for vb hardest working player index <laughs> I, I think he made he he actually made more hit ups in that game than, than, oh than Kick So Anyway,
0: oh uh, the, the Pen- game. Pen- 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 blue shirt trainer, unnamed, no doubt will have a a similar memorial to the unknown soldier uh, in in Penrith, the foot of the mountains at Penrith. There, but look, no, all seriousness. Isaiah Yo from the Panthers uh you have won the Invictus award for best defender in rugby league in 2021 well done uh stopping Damien Cook from winning that uh three peat as well well done there the tetrarchy award the leadership of four is what it means uh uh obviously the tetrarchy uh we are awarding this to the best spine in rugby league so the spine is uh the five, the fullback five eight halfback and hooker um, one of the modern concepts in rugby league where uh, where you build your side around uh, those very key roles. And last year's winners were Melbourne Storm. The year before that, uh, in fact, two years before that were the Roosters uh, and the Roosters in 2018. And in 2017, the Melbourne Storm won it, obviously, when they had Slater, Munster, Cronk and Smith, but now this year we turn our attention to look really when I looked at this, there was several there were several contenders. and uh, I think this kind of is, is a bit open because there weren't um, in the past we've had spines that have been virtually flawless and have been you know uh, in, including players that have sort of dominated their positions compared to the rest of the league in this case it hasn't always been the case so you've you've got certain weaknesses and strengths in all of the spines of all of the main teams that are uh, that that really were premiership contenders this year but my vote this year goes to the panthers so the panther spine generally was Dylan Edwards Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary and Abisai Corsau and in my view, obviously the strongest of, of those would be Luai and Cleary, who have, you know absolutely burst onto the scene, won the State of Origin series for us, won the uh, the grand final for them uh, this year. But I also want to sort of add that Coruscant has been an unsung hero in this squad. I think uh, his presence, his his kind of guile and cunning ways. Uh, of, you know, sneaking a try here and there. Um, you know, he's very strong in defence as well. Uh, and obviously Dylan Edwards, not much has been said about him because he hasn't really done much wrong. And so I think that's another important thing, even though he's not a strength compared to the other players in this spine. I think he, by virtue of the fact that he's stable uh, and, 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 and stable presence and gets the job done, I think has uh, elevated this, this Tetrarchy, this leadership of four, to the best spine in rugby league this year. Tish, what's your nomination?
1: Well, um, look, normally, because I think we've traditionally gone to the best spine being the grand final winners, and look, the Penrith spine is phenomenal, and I, and um, yeah, they, they did a great job. Um, but what I do find with their um, spine is, um, is that I find like they need lots of opportunities and they don't seem to be able to crack really good defences too often. And then I've got to look at, you know, what is basically the dream team (laughs) spine in the competition? And I actually really can't go past South Sydney. Um, I think they've been nicknamed Operation Deadly. And the reason why is because everybody knows what they're going to do and they still do it and they still score tries. And they don't need that many opportunities. In fact, if you look at the grand final, part of the reason why it was so close is because um, South Sydney didn't get uh, enough opportunities to actually score, right? Um, if they had the equal amount of chances of what Penrith did, it could have been a blowout. Um, so, look, the the spine, as listed on paper, uh, or their best spine, is Latrell, Walker, Reynolds, and Cook. And I think that obviously they didn't play enough games this season, obviously for suspensions and injuries and, uh, you know, and any other things that happened. But I think if they were to play, you know, one or two extra games this season, I think they could have been minor premiers and they probably would have been um, premiers as well. And I've got to say cameo from Benji Marshall um, coming off as a 14th player. I think that's something that South had that other players didn't have. And the other thing that South Sydney did, if, if you look at their attack is they actually went back to the blueprint of a rugby league spine, which is, uh, which is introducing the um, ball playing uh, lock forward back into rugby league. Um, you know, and that is with Cameron Murray, uh, Cameron Murray plays the ball. Well, he takes the hit ups, but he also becomes the link between Reynolds's left side and Cody Walker's right side. Um, and that's why they're able to shift the ball so quickly. Um, and I think they've actually they're actually a true rugby league team in that sense. And and I and I think it's kind of changed my definition of what I consider to be the rugby league spine. Uh because I'm looking at all the players that are actually the single uh like one in the team players, like uh, you know, there's only one lock forward in the you know, on the field, there's only one dummy half, there's only one half bat, there's only one five eighth, there's only one fullback. And 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 I think the lock forward actually plays the role of the spine for that pivot that um, between the two two sides of the rock. Uh, so from that basis, I think I just got to go for South. So, you know, almost like innovation, but also back to basics. Like I think that's that's been the hallmark of them. So it's interesting, isn't it, when you sort of think about the actual result that ended up happening with the Panthers winning over, you know, winning in defence versus. South, but I just think that South's uh, spine is actually a lot more deadly in attack.
0: Uh, yeah, look, I, I would sort of agree with that in nor- under normal circumstances. But having said that, though, I think even though the Panthers were the best uh, defence in the, and at the, the end of the day, the, their defence is what won the premiership. But I think the fact that the Rabbitohs had no answer to them at all <laughs> in attack. Um, in the grand final in particular, was like quite disappointing. And I think, yes, they definitely missed Latrell Mitchell not being there and it would have been possibly a different game, but we don't really know. One thing I do want to point out, though, is that when you're comparing the performances of these teams and these players, um, you know, let's not forget the matchup. up you know, Really, the matchup that was <laughs> going to be decisive here was the, the Battle of the Halves. And you know, in the grand final, it's it was fairly clear that the that you know, the halves of the Panthers outperformed quite dramatically the the halves of of South Sydney. I think um, Reynolds didn't really do much. Uh, Cody Walker tried to do a little bit, but at the end of the day, his mistake led to the intercept try as well. So that wasn't a very good good day for him either in terms of uh, his performance. On the other hand, Cleary and Luai was a bit of a masterclass um, in the grand final. Luai did what he needed to do to link up to the outside backs. Cleary did what he needed to do uh, in terms of his kicking game, probably one of the best kicking games in a grand final in a long time as well. So if you look at it that way, and if you add to that, the fact that uh, the we had two record breaking performances in, uh, in State of Origin in the first two games this year, New South Wales, and as soon as Cleary and Luai were out with injury uh, and we, uh, you know, we had, uh, well, admittedly, we didn't have Walker and Reynolds. The argument was that we should have had Walker and Reynolds uh, in there, but we had, uh, you know, we didn't have, as soon as we didn't have uh, Luai and Cleary, uh, we uh, we lost that third game, even though it was a dead rubber Um so to me, that sort of reminds us that the importance of Luai and Cleary to any team as as crucial members of the spine, uh, especially this year, I think to, in my mind, there's no question the results are, are very clear to see. So I, I'm very strong on this one. I think the Panthers deserve this one this year. Uh maybe next year if uh Luttrell comes back and, and doesn't get suspended and there aren't injuries, uh we'll see something else happen. But unfortunately, this spine has been broken up now because Reynolds is going to the Broncos mm. and Marshall has retired. So um yeah, there will be a new spine next year for South. But look, Tish, that's my uh I'm advocating for the Panthers. Are you willing to budge on Souths? Oof. It is tough, right? Because uh
1: yeah, look, um, I, look uh, I think, uh, you know, well, South Sydney were two points away. They were an ankle injury away. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> also, also, I should say, we're supposed to do the spine of four, and you have picked six players. You've also <laughs> mentioned Benji Marshall and Cameron Murray, which I don't think is fair Yeah. yeah <laughs> necessarily.
1: Uh, okay, okay. All right. Well, look... Um, Okay. Okay. So look, because uh, it is really like you know a really good attack versus really good defense, right? Which is the grand final. But look, the fact that the Panthers look a, a, a spine sticks together through thick and thin, and and the Panthers are sticking together. Um, so so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll 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 look. I'll reluctantly give it. I, I I think look the Panthers. Yeah, fair enough. The origin argument. I, I really don't have any rebuttal. To, to the origin argument. Um, you know, I was gonna go with well, well, Tommy Turbo was in the team too, but he was also in
0: game three as well. So so that doesn't really help, right? So um <laughs> That's right. Well that's that's my point that I think yeah. if you look at it that way, the reason why we lost was uh yeah. the, the half the half weren't there. I think that's that's the main reason. Yeah. So um, on on the basis that that the Panthers
1: got more opportunities than South to show their wares. And they,
0: but they proved themselves in those opportunities. We'll give it to the Panthers. All right. Well done, Panthers. You win the Tetrarchy Award this year. And let's move on to the Centurion Award Centurion meaning soldier. uh, And it's awarded to the most tireless workhorse in rugby league. So last year, Damien Cook was the winner. Prior to that, we had Josh Papali, Jake Trebojevic, and Jason Tamalolo. Uh, and uh this year on the back of what I said earlier about the defender of the year was uh, wasn't just a defender, he was also great in attack and uh you know also got you know was was quite the uh quite the attacking forward as well when when ne- he needed to be in terms of getting go forward. Isaiah Yo from the Panthers is my nomination for the most tireless workhorse in rugby league. Tish uh What's your nomination?
1: Well, look, you know, uh, when you're thinking about workhorse, you're thinking about somebody that gets things done, you know, and somebody who, uh, you know, not just gets things done, but, you know, throughout any circumstance in life and in rugby league, uh, they're just able to make it happen and, uh, you know, do whatever it takes to get it done. And I have to give that to uh, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk because without the Palaszczuk government, we wouldn't have Brisbane 2030 where rugby league will showcase itself once again in the Olympics, but we'll also have, uh, you know, uh, the, the whole season back half of the season was in Queensland, all of origin, all the state of origin was in Queensland this year. Um, She secured magic round for the next 100 years at Suncorp, Um, you know, so uh, I think, I think so much wheeling and dealing and look, in, in in a time in the world where you're not supposed to be traveling you know she's racked up the frequent flyer points uh you know getting to getting herself to japan uh for the announcement and flying back in time for origin so uh i normally look i'm normally quite biased with uh you know against queenslanders and more of a new south Wales guy but i recognize the tireless work of um you know uh you know uh, what do they call uh, you know um, females that get knighted? They're not sirs, right? They're. Uh...
0: But. Uh, doctor Anastasia
1: Palaszczuk. I no, think it's not. It's
0: not doctor. It's. Uh, I think it's. La- is it lady or? Lady, Something lady,
1: like L- lady Anastasia Palaszczuk. Let's. let's dame. Uh,
0: dame. I don't know. Dame. I think it's dame.
1: You know what? Let's just make her the queen. Um, queen Palaszczuk. <laughs> Okay.
0: Look, I must admit, when we came up with this award, we—I think it was meant to be for a player.
1: Oh, okay, all right, thank <laughs> but you. well,
0: so that rules are so, out. So I think the go no, has got it. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think, look, I—I I can see why how you interpreted that award, uh, and 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 yeah. So I think, look, I'm willing to, I'm willing to sort of give look. Queensland did so much for us this year and, uh, you know, allowed us to continue the season uh, uninterrupted pretty much. And, look, I'm I'm going to relent. I'm going to go with you on this one, Tish. It's as rocky wow. as, as it sounds. I think, uh, you know, without her willingness to work through all of the NRL exemptions and and you know COVID restrictions and all that kind of thing. Without her willing to do that for us, we wouldn't have been able to uh, do what we did. So, um, you know, if are you are you happy? Let's let's go for Anastasia Palaszczuk. Let's do it. <laughs> the most tireless workhorse in rugby league, uh, not as a player, but as uh, obviously as a politician. Well done, uh, and representing Queensland, of course, which is which is always good. All right, let's move on to the Pontifex Maximum Award, which means Supreme Pontiff or Greatest Bridge Maker, and this award goes to the best referee in rugby league. So again, referee being a use, we use this broadly. Last mm. year, the winner was Gavin Badger. The year before that was Graham Annesley, obviously as the referees boss. The year before that was uh, well, two years in a row, Matt Chicken had won that one and look speaking of matt and i'm going to nominate him again mm. uh as as you know for someone who uh you know retired for a while from rugby league uh and and sort of made a comeback i think he displayed yet again that he he still uh you know still ha- he's still a very good quality referee and considering there some of the referees that were given the big matches <laughs> during the year had some very let's just say questionable uh, performances. I still think Matt Checken is roundly considered as one of the best in the game. It's a shame that he's retired. I think he's retired again uh, for good this time, and it's unfortunate, but I think Matt Checken deserves this award uh, for best uh, referee in rugby league. Tish, what about you? Well,
1: yeah, look, I, uh, look I'm look. i always a big fan of Matt Checken. I think he's a great referee. Um, and I think, look, uh, look, I think Ashley Klein had an improved season. Um, uh, I do like, uh, you know, Henry Paranara and his, his stuff. Not a big fan of Peter Goff, I've got to say. Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, I've seen a couple of uh, games and I wasn't too sure about that. Uh, but, um, you know, the the referee that I think has had a great season, kind of caught me a bit by surprise, actually, is Grant Atkins. Um, now, yeah, similar to, to, uh, to Matt Chichen where he didn't sort of get the, you know, the semifinals, uh, you know, the final grand final, or even origin, but I think, you know, week to week on, on the, you know, the referee basis you know he's kind of the, one of the more younger referees, but I think he's, I think he's done quite, quite well. Um, uh, you know, he only debuted in 2009, um, done 283 games now, so but uh, but I think he's he's been uh, sorry, 2011. So 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 he's been there for a while actually. But I think that um, he he uh, has really good rapport with his with the players. Um, you know, there was that that incident where he had a talking to. You know, uh, where he actually no, he threatened a talking to. You know, where he said that look, if this stuff carries on, I'll have a talking to with the players. Which you know, I think is good. So he's obviously built his own system. Uh, when there's a lack of system in terms of you know level one level two level three offenses uh so so well done Grant on that but I think I think overall I think that um you know it's it's nice to see young referees um sort of going in there and, and trying to uh I think trying to officiate the game in a different way like not really blowing penalties all the time like letting it go a little bit more and I think Grant's got the uh got that so he might have lost his uh Whistle for a for a half there. Maybe that's why the, <laughs> the penalty <laughs> is quite low. So yeah, but but Grant Atkins is is probably my call. Uh, uh, I don't I don't know how how we debate referees. You know, like uh,
0: you know. Well, uh, I think I think I've got the the potentially Grant Atkins is probably an up and comer as opposed to I believe the best in the game at the moment. Mm, I think gotcha, I think given yeah. I think given that Matt Checken is kind of retiring again and. A, uh you know, some sometimes you get, you know, in other fields you get awards, uh, even if you haven't had your best year, but you're you've it's kind of a way to sort of uh, say goodbye. Commem- mm. Say goodbye, but also kind of recognize uh what you've achieved over the years. And look, even though we've given this award to Matt Checking in the past, I think uh I I think he still was at the top of his game this year. It was just uh it was just that there were others that had uh, that been given those other opportunities. Uh definitely Jared Sutton. Look, uh I don't think Ashley Klein would be my nomination at all because he had a terrible last few games. Uh he was the one that kind of let Penrith get away with some dodgy things at the end of the year. Uh Jared Sutton, I thought if he had he'd also let uh Look, he he had uh, officiated the grand final quite well. It was quite a watchable and exciting game, and a lot of it had to do with the way he, uh, you know, managed the game, and and uh, and so that definitely some big big ups to him, uh, Jared Sutton for doing that. Uh, obviously, he's recognised as the the premier referee in the game by by those who are uh, the decision makers. But as as a fan, I would say that look, Jared Sutton really. Yeah. also in the grand final didn't, or at least in the semifinal, the Storm and the Panthers uh, semi-final didn't really learn the lesson from Ashley Klein the week before. And he also allowed the Storm to get away with uh, some questionable kind of uh, sportsmanship around the HIA rules. And so on that basis, I think uh, Matt Checken didn't really have any controversies as far as I remember mm. this year. And so to me, I still think You Know he came back after a period of absence after what happened, uh, you know, in his international uh refereeing duties, uh, and which was spoken about in the past. But he came back and and sort of you know picked things up and and really felt like he never went away. So I'm going to be strong on this one, Matt Checkin. I believe if you agree, Matt Checkin, we are awarding him. I agree on checking. I think let's 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 give it to you. Check on checkin. Uh Matt checkin the Pontifex Maximum Award. Well done. All right. The next award is the Imperator Award, which is uh, means Commander, uh, and it's awarded to the best captain in rugby league. So in years gone by, we've awarded this to uh, Clint Gutherson, Boyd Cordner for two years in a row, and Cameron Smith. This year, I think Tish, I don't even think there's much of a debate here. Uh, you know, there could be an argument for Nathan Cleary from the Panthers, although the the controversy that mm. surrounds their acts, you know, around surrounding Nathan Cleary's questionable, you know, and TikTok uh, dancing oh, are Yeah, they... and co- covid covert related COVID uh, breaches, yes. Breaking bre- breaches and breaking of rules, uh it kind of disqualifies him a little bit.
1: Cameron Munster
0: um, all over again. Uh, uh... Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, yeah. and, you know, if you look at the other sort of premiership contenders um, uh, or any sort of team really, um, you know, you've got okay, Clint Gutherson again. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't quite get it done for the Eels. Uh, in, in South, you've got, uh, who's the captain of South? Adam Reynolds, who I think went kind of missing in the grand final, unfortunately, did not really have a good captain's knock at all. Even if he couldn't, it didn't play well himself. I didn't think, I didn't think he really managed the team as a as a good captain does. Uh, but there's one name that stands out as as a great captain, and it's because of all the trials and tribulations of his team that his team went through in terms of injuries. Um, you know, was not at all a stable and regular season for this team and for this captain. But he through through it all was a an inspirational leader, so much so that he captained New South Wales to his first ever State of Origin victory as well. And I'm talking about none other than James Tedesco from the Roosters, who I believe, uh, again, with the Roosters' horror season that they've had this year, took up the mantle of captain and really, uh, you know, made it his own and has blossomed into a captain, a State of Origin winning captain. So well done, James Tedesco. Uh, In my view, I think a clear winner, unless you have any objections, Tish. Well, look, I have no objections. I've gone for, uh, I have actually gone also for Tedesco,
1: so he's been my nominee. The only other person I was actually thinking of was the, uh, a bit off the field as well, but Redcliffe CEO, Terry Reader, for obviously the Dolphins making it uh, in. But look, I'm actually really disappointed that yeah, they've dropped the Redcliffe. I'm actually now against the 17th team now. Uh so so uh I think on that basis I'm gonna give it to De- Tedesco. All
0: right, well done, James Tedesco. The Imperator Award is yours. And now the uh a few more awards left. The Parter Award, Parter meaning father, and it's awarded to the best coach in rugby league. So in years gone by, last year Wayne Bennett was the winner, the year before that, Christian Wolf. Uh, then Trem Robertson and Craig Bellamy before them. And this year, I think, uh, look very clearly, uh, th- the, the name Pata uh, refers to father, as I said, and the father of the Clive Churchill medal winner in the grand final <laughs> was none other than Ivan Cleary, a father-son combination, captain mm. and coach, probably the first time in history that that's occurred. So a really big deal. And look, a lot of people were questioning whether Ivan Cleary had the coaching chops to bring the Panthers their uh, much-deserved victory, uh, long-awaited victory in the premiership. And he broke that, um, you know, no longer the bridesmaid from last year uh, and and in years gone by as well as coach of the Warriors, I believe. Um, But now he is a champion. And I think a fitting champion for the best coach in rugby league. And, uh, and the fact he's also the father of, uh, of Nathan Cleary. So Tish, do you have any objections to Ivan Cleary?
1: Well, look, no, I think in the excellence of uh, coaching, the excellence of fatherhood, you know, excelling nepotism and uh, (laughs) conflict of interest, uh, you know, Australia wide, I think Ivan Cleary clearly deserves this award. And, um, you know, we might need to rename this award to Nepotism Parter Award. Oh uh, no, <laughs>
0: that's a bit harsh. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, look, the only other person in that category would be uh, would be the Parramatta duo, but um, yeah, not quite established in the same vein. So, look, I think well done to to Ivan Cleary. I think he has uh, shaken the monkey off the back. Um, uh, not referring to Ivan Clery uh, to Nathan Cleary's TikTok video right there. But, uh,
0: <laughs> but, 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 uh, but yeah. Yeah, like, we will no not get from, into that debate. We have no comment on that. We, yeah, we have no comment <laughs> on that. But, but I think also, yeah. I look, I think the
1: the whole thing about Brian Smith, and I think this really does, um, yeah, uh, allow uh, Ivan to actually get the proper accolades of what a great coach he really is, um, being able to get his teams to the grand finals consistently. Also, great at sort of being able to build a club too. I don't think he's been inter- integral in the parts. Uh, he's played for uh, for, for Pandora. So years in the making, Ivan Clary, well done for the Parcher Award.
0: Well done. And now we get to the uh, pointy end of the awards. The, uh, we're talking about the best players. So we have, for the best male player award, we have the Caesar Award. Caesar meaning ruler. And it's awarded to the best male player in the world. In years gone by, we've had James Tedesco, who actually got a three-peat. He won in 2020, 2019, and 2018. And 2017, Jason Tamalola was the winner. Could James Tedesco be in line for a fourth year in a row? He certainly had a pretty big year. As I said, we've named him the captain of the year. Unfortunately, I think there's only one player that stood above uh, – really, well, there's a few players, but really one player that stood above the pack and definitely above James Tedesco, unfortunately – But it is none other than uh, a player that we spoke about earlier, who has become, uh, you know, almost one of the greats of the game already. Early on in his career, based on some of the performances we've seen this year, Uh, it looks like just improving out of sight. So things are just going to get better for Tommy Trebojevic from the Sea Eagles.
1: Yes, uh, he is
0: my nomination. Tish, is he also your nomination for best male player in the world?
1: Oh, look, I think uh, he is. He is. So Tom Turbo. I don't think you could really go past anybody
0: else. What a season, and uh, well deserving of that award. So well done, Tommy Dravoyevich. By default, there are no other nominations. You win the Caesar Award. Well done. And look, moving to the best female player in the world, we've we've called this the Livia Drusilla Award. And Livia Drusilla was the first female empress of Rome. So that's what we're commemorating there. And the winner in years gone by, we've had two winners of this so far. Last year was Ali Briganshaw. The year before that, Jessica Sergis. This year, I'm going to give it to uh, well my nomination. Uh, we're giving it to, I guess, Isabel Kelly, who is from New South Wales. She is a centre And uh, she had an absolutely brilliant performance in, look, really the main, you know, given the women's premiership didn't really come to fruition this year because of COVID um, restrictions and and difficulties there in getting the competition set up. Really, we have only a few bits and pieces of information to go on. And the main one to me is the State of Origin uh, game this year. Where Queensland won uh the game, I think they won eight six, but there was one player that stood head and shoulders above everyone in terms of statistics, and she was clearly New South Wales's best player in a losing side. Um, and and I think th- that award goes to Isabel Kelly, she had the highest fantasy points uh, by far in terms of uh st- you know, a combination of different statistics, and some of those statistics were based on. Uh, her superior stats in line breaks, tackle breaks and offloads. And I think, you know, when I watched the game, I think definitely that was what came across that, that while it was a tough game, a very close fought game, one in, in the end by Queensland with a very strong defense, but the only player who really threatened them continuously was Isabel Kelly. And I think she yeah. had an absolute blinder and it's just, it was a standout game for me and, and I think on that basis, um, Tish, unless you have any objections, I think she deserves the Livia Drazilla Award for best female player in the world this year.
1: Yeah, look, I would agree. And uh, look, unfortunately, this year we haven't had, uh, you know, too much, uh, you know, NRLW action. I think the competition is uh, just got underway, but uh, lack of coverage really on it. So, um, so I think that Isabel, she played well. Yourself, it was actually one of the great games of the season. I really enjoyed it. when probably the best origin game in terms of closeness this year as well. Right. Um, because it went down right down to the wire. So um, yeah, well done, Isabel Kelly. And uh, let's see hopefully
0: more women's rugby league featured in 2022. Absolutely. A uh, couple more awards left. We've got the console award. Console award goes to, it means highest official. And it's awarded to the best administrator in rugby league. Um, in years gone by, well, we've had this award for two years now. Last year was won by Peter Verlandis, mm-hmm. and the year before that by Ralph Rimmer, the CEO of the RFL over there in the UK. This year, my nomination is a bit left field, um, but it is mm-hmm. it is Phil Gould, and the reason for this is that everyone was poo-pooing his five-year plan. Mm. to get the Panthers back on top of the premiership, you know, it didn't quite get there in five years, but he got there in 10 years. And even though he's not associated with the club anymore, he's now moved on to have a director of football kind of role at the Bulldogs. Um, This year was the year that finally his, you know, all of his ideas about, you know, the providing the pathway for the youth of the area Penrith having obviously the best and biggest junior nursery in rugby league uh, in in Australia, um, not being able to take advantage of that. And the way to do that was to set up kind of an an academy and clear pathways and, you know, all sorts of other things that went around, you know, training, uh, you know, having a halfback kind of academy and that kind of thing. Um, All of these ideas finally paid off um, after 10 years. And I think to me the Panthers winning and not just the fact that they won the way they won and the fact that Panthers players dominated in origin as well to me sort of signifies and vindicates uh Phil Gould's kind of uh structured plan to get his team at the top of the table and no doubt we will see the the fruits of his ideas come to um you know bear fruit very very soon I think for the Bulldogs because he is starting from the absolute bottom with them at the moment. Uh, any success, I think, with some of the structures that he's going to put in place will be due to his ideas. So, um, Tish, again, Consul Award, my nomination is Phil Gould. Do you have a different nomination?
1: Yes, I do. And before I begin, I just want to point out to everybody, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So just listen. don't listen for the next few moments as i nominate my A my uh, my my person you talk about a man with a plan well what happens when you get diagnosed with a uncurable brain tumor and you are a rich billionaire in Korea you create a game where desperate people um, have to you know basically win a game or get killed in order to win a lot of prize money and you know to just just to make sure that you uh, Enjoy it to the maximum. You participate in the game yourself. So I'm nominating player number zero zero one from Squid Game.
0: Okay. Um okay. I I I politely declined that nomination. Okay. On the basis of it not having anything to do with rugby league. <laughs> okay, all right, all
1: right, okay. Sorry. Again, did not and read pl- the criteria. So, and don't that spoil word.
0: Squid Game for me. I still haven't watched it all, so thank you for that. I will just ignore what you just said, Tish. Okay, okay. And look, in my mind, unless you have something better, I think Phil Gould will be the winner of the console award. Do you agree, Tish?
1: Yeah, look, in in terms of administration or or bossing people around, I think Phil Gould's got it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just don't see him typing up a document. What I think the word administrator, you know, but well, it, yeah, well, but leading not, team, yes, he's not yeah.
0: an admin officer; he's an no. administrator. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. But look, look, I say, uh, you know, I, I, I think there's no objection here. Phil Gould, congratulations! You have won the consul award for the highest official, best administrator in the in rugby league. Well done. Uh, moving on, our second last award, the Pious Felix Award, for, um, and it's meaning pious and blessed, is awarded to the personal group who has done the most to live up to the community ideals of rugby league. Previous winners of this award were Connor Watson and Alan Tung before him. And this year, look, there's a couple of uh, good nominations. One, I think, in my mind, is Cody Walker from South. He was instrumental in the Souths Cares uh, program this year. He uh, he he dedicated. He was dedicated contributor to the Nangamai Murray Dream Big program, uh, Aboriginal Employment Program, Deadly Youth Mentoring Program, and the well Wellbeing Program. Uh, he also was very strong in promoting NADOC Week. And he was part of the I Have a Dream Indigenous uh, 2007 Player Photo Recreation and also led the Rabbitohs Indigenous Jersey Design. So he he had a hand in a variety of different sort of activities. So I think in my mind, Cody Walker should be nominated for this award. What about you, Tish?
1: Well, look, I think Cody Walker is, is is a great choice. And I think, to be honest, in this category, uh, everybody you nominate are all deserving winners. I think it's, um you know, it's great what a lot of NRL players, the vast majority of NRL players, I do believe, have uh, this passion for the community and passion for helping people. But I've gone with the 22, to, uh, I just want to mention or sort of nominate, you know, the 2021 Ken Stevens medalist, Cronulla Sharks, Ronaldo Muratalo, um, you know he he won the ken stevens medal just you know uh, uh you know so, some work that he's gone with the nrl voices against violence um and the the belong life Le, Leaf in schools um he's also done uh you know uh, countless community work have been a commu- community volunteer in many different things and you know not just even in australia but also in um Pap- papua new guinea where he's been uh, part of a a rainwater collection system building uh, exercise as well. So um, you know he sort of uh, disappointingly uh, you, know, uh, um, you know missed out on you know missed missed out on uh, Origin this year, which was you know because of uh, technicality. But I think he's just been a really good ambassador for the game. Um, you know uh, both on and off the field really. So I think I think we've got some worthy uh, winners here. So but I just wanted to mention Ronaldo, Boris Harlow. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm not too sure how we determine the winner, but I'm I'm happy to go either way here.
0: I'm happy to be the tiebreaker here, and I think uh, I think I'm convinced. Uh, I I think that the one thing that sort of was stuck in my mind when I was trying to read about possible nominations and come up with nominations is that one of the things that Ronaldo Molitala did. You know, there's a lot of this kind of uh, you know, these players who are involved in this program or that program, often they're not the drivers of the program. They're not. They're sort of brought on almost as a, um, you know, as a as a celebrity face in some cases. In some cases, they're more deeply involved, and that's why I mentioned Cody Walker because he was kind of intimately involved in some of those mm. Aboriginal wellbeing program-related uh, things, as well as as well as the uh, the the Indigenous jersey design. So he's also shown a breadth of uh, different types of engagement in this kind of community uh, involvement. But with Ronaldo, there were some stories that came out and that, I think this is probably what pushed him to the top of the pile in terms of the Ken Stephen Medal uh, Award this year is that he kind of gave, um, there were quite a few stories where he gave some of his Cronulla, um, uh, I guess he would say colleagues mercantile. like staff. Members of the coaching staff, etc., not necessarily players, but other kind of uh, crucial kind of uh, staff members in the the Cronulla uh, broader team. He, during COVID, he apparently was the kind of player that would help provide groceries to some staff, he would offer money, he offered to help with those who had financial difficulties, especially when the pandemic started. So, I mean, that sort of says a lot about the character of the man that he would at a very young age, I think he's 21 only Mm -hmm. uh, take it upon himself to kind of look after his fellow, um, you know, employees of of the shark. Yeah. Fellow sharks sort of, not teammates necessarily, but you know, uh, staff members of the the sharks organization, and make sure that they were safe, and make sure that they were fed, and and that kind of thing. I think that's an amazing story. So, look, I I would agree. I think for someone who really, it lives up to the ideals of not just sort of being part of a. a um, predetermined program that is already going to exist without their input, he's actually gone that step further and provided that personal caring touch to his uh, fellow colleagues to sort of make sure that they've been safe and and fed and et cetera and have enough money during during a very difficult time during the pandemic. So I think, look, I'm with you, Tish. I'm convinced that uh, Ronald, Ronaldo Molitalo, The other Ronaldo, as we're going to call him, uh, (laughs) deserves to win an award uh, this year and the Pius Felix Award. Well done, Ronaldo Molitalo, for winning that award. And finally, the big one, the Princeps Award for the first citizen, which is awarded to the person or group who has done the most to expand and improve the game of rugby league. There's a reason why, Tish, this is our top award. Uh, and 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 the reason for that is that it is really about, it's open to anyone. It could be player, administrator, really anyone. It could be a group. Um, in years gone by, last year we had Peter Volandis. The year before that, we had the Tonga national team and Tonga fans. And the year before that, we had Jason T- Tamalolo. Uh, and the year before that, we had Eric Perez, founder and CEO of the Toronto Wolfpack. And, of course, in 2016, when we started this uh, crazy journey, uh, we had the Latin Heat winning for their uh, efforts in, in bringing the game to the Latina community here in Australia. Um, but, look, overall, I would say there's you know a few ways we can go about this, but in my mind, the the, the one group, I would say, not an individual, really a group, who has flown the flag of expansion Uh, In the UK Super League was the Catalan's Dragons. Um, They achieved history this year, very, very recently by winning the League Leaders Shield, which is kind of like our minor premiership here, for the first time in their history, being the first non-English team to win it. And they, they just narrowly missed out on their first grand final victory, being beaten out by a Superior St. Helens team. So, look, in my mind, the fact that they have won the first, uh, I guess you could say the first piece of silverware, uh, uh, major silverware uh, in terms of the, the league, the Super League. Um, I know they won the Challenge Cup a few years ago, but in terms of the major awards, you know, nothing to be sneezed at the minor premiership and i think on the back of that as well uh we've seen Toulouse olympic winning through to the super league by winning that million pound game Mm. so so yeah i think in my mind uh the carolans dragons deserve this uh for flying the flag of expansion over there and particularly of French expansion uh, over there in northern hemisphere. Tish, who or which organisation is your uh, nomination for this Princeps Award?
1: Yeah, well, look, I what I like um, and the player that I look, I, I just want to give it to Benjamin Marshall. Can I just say that you know it's an end <laughs> of an era. Um, you know, thinking about all the different um, players um, who who play the game currently. Um, and Benji's been that inspiration. It is It is truly an end of an era uh, without without Benji there. And, um, look, I think he's had, he's had a great career. And, um, you know, just watching the highlights after his retirement of not just what he did in the NRL, but what he did for New Zealand Rugby League, obviously winning their first World Cup. But the Four Nations, you know, were, <laughs> that, that, without Benji, they wouldn't have won the game. And, and uh, you know, even in the highlights, you could hear Phil Gould sort of talking about, um, you know, like, Benji knows that they cannot win it without him, and just the ability to r- arise to the occasion when you need to win. And obviously, you know his second time around in the NRL has has not gone. Uh, you know, it, it's you know it, it started off not that well, but it, you know it did get you know a lot better and so forth. And it's, and it's a great redemption story. And I think it, it, I think Benji also gave hope for you know these players that. Uh, sort of get to 25, 26, 27, and say fourth, and then, you know, feel like their career cannot go anywhere. And then suddenly they get selected. You know, that kind of happened to Benji. You know, he sort of had, you know, a great run and then it kind of um, didn't work out for him. But then, you know, he got to, the, you know, almost 30 years old and then he was able to come back. And I think he's actually allowed a lot of other older players to make their debut because they've seen just how good plays can be after they've matured as well. And I think Benji's um, really done that. So, look, I think Benji for his legacy is there. Obviously, with Catalan, I mean, it has been a great breakout season um, for for the Dragons. There's lots of hype around French rugby league at the moment. Um, so, I do think they're really making strides. So, look, I think it's a tough one to decide. But, uh, you know, come as the man, come as the hour, Benji Marshall.
0: <laughs> look, yeah, look, I, I'd have to agree. I think given that he's retiring this year, I think he's when you look back at the, the at what he's done in the nineteen years or so that he's been at the top level, it's been just absolutely unbelievable. And and certainly, you know, Benji Marshall more than anyone I think in the last decade or so, a uh, decade and a half or two decades, let's just say almost, has been synonymous with, you know, the the concept of, you know, innovation. Uh, mm. in in uh you know excitement and just skills in rugby league uh, on the field he's been a gentleman off the field uh well respected obviously but the key thing for me is uh you know what Benji did in his early years in particular being such an exciting player and the the best probably the best clutch player of all time i think if you were if you were um you know, down a few points and needing a try and had one minute to go, if Benji Marshall, if you pass it to Benji Marshall, more often than not, in huge games, he ended up finding a way to get you that victory. And, uh, you know, sometimes he took risks, too many risks for many people's liking. But I think in this case, uh, when you look at overall what he did, uh, you know, Rugby league was definitely – we we certainly attracted lots of young kids who were excited with what was possible in the game. He's not a cookie-cutter player, never was, never will be. Um, And I think for that reason, I think you're right. Uh, Having a player of his skill level uh, who reminds us that there is space for – the, the quick players, maybe not, you know, not the best defenders in the world, but players who are able to break the line, try something different, have a bit of an X factor. When we think of X factor, we really think of Benji Marshall. So look, I know you, there's probably a bit of a Tiger's bias there in your eyes when you nominate Benji Marshall, but I think objectively, when you look at my nomination, your nomination, anyone else that we could come up with this year, I think Benji Marshall deserves this as a parting gift after a very uh, long amount of service to the game of rugby league. So Benji Marshall, well done for winning the Princeps Award for uh, the person who has done the most to expand and improve the game of rugby league, a fitting end to your career to win this most prized achievement, the Princeps Award from Rugby League Republic. Well done, Benji Marshall. And well done to everyone for all the awards. Uh, That wraps up our awards season (laughs) and our season, uh, our (laughs) podcast season in general. Um, You know, don't forget to keep in touch with us at rlrepublic at gmail.com and our our website, www.rlrepublic.com. We are on Facebook, on Twitter, on Spotify and on iTunes. Uh, I think I've covered everything. Check us out there. There may be another platform that we're on. I'm not sure. But look, the key thing is that we are wrapping up an epic sixth season, a very strange one, mm. in many ways more COVID-affected than last year. Uh, but we we pulled through. We had an epic end to the season with uh, some really great games, very memorable, one of the most memorable grand finals and high-quality NRL Grand Finals we're going to see. Um, not to mention uh, what we've seen over there in the UK in uh, in the Super League with what Catalan's Dragons did, the St. Saint Helens uh, Saints with the, uh, the three-peat there. Um, a lot of really good stuff going on. Toulouse being promoted, Redcliffe Dolphins or the Dolphins being promoted uh, as the 17th franchise in the NRL Um, You know, World Cup is happening next year, was meant to happen this year, but is now going to be happening next year. Hopefully, uh, no more COVID variants are going to pop out. But look, uh, so much to look forward to and so much that has happened this year. Tish, thank you so much for being my partner in crime in this web, uh, in this journey of uh, podcasting this year. We've had, uh, I've had a blast uh, being your partner in crime and just you know talking rugby league as as uh, as fans every week it's been a real pleasure uh we've had a lot of fun along the way and tish i'll leave it to you to uh wrap this up for the final time in 2021 over yes. to you tish well, Dr. T, likewise, it's been
1: an epic six years and on to bigger and better things in, in 2022. Really looking forward to where rugby league's headed. But it's been an epic season. I'd like to thank all your support for all the listeners out there as well. Thank you very much uh for listening, for liking, for sharing, for spreading and for caring. But uh, and not and and, and not Spreading coronavirus. Uh so I just wanted to make that clear. But anyway, but look, uh look, but that's all for this episode and this season of the Rugby League Republic. We're your host, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time in 2022 for the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.